0: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. Today we're going to share the experience of Terry from enderf.org. Terry is spelled T-E-R-R-E. So I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but we'll go with Terry. So Terry says, It was night. About seven of us kids were playing this game of breathing hard and fast and holding ourselves tight around the chest. The goal was to pass out, and when you did, or if you did, the other kids were supposed to count to ten before trying to revive you by slapping your face. I don't know who introduced the game, but I bet they never played it again because my reaction was so scary for them. I don't remember actually passing out or falling to the ground. I was just suddenly up about 10 or 12 feet, looking down on the scene. It was like I was floating face down, though I wasn't directly over my body. I don't know where north really was, but if my body lay north-south with my head at the north end, I find my location was perpendicular to it and about 10 feet back, or east of my body, and 10 plus feet up. I saw my body lying on the ground, and the other kids circled around and counting. It was nighttime, but it seemed like the scene below was lit up, with the edges soft and feathering into the night. It was like everything was in shades of gray, no color. I could see everything within this lit area very clearly. My first thought was that the only one up there was my eyeballs and me. I knew there was no other physical part of me there, but that it was me up there, and the body below was not me. I could hear the kids counting, 8-1000, 9-1000, so I may have been unconscious for about 10 seconds by this time. Where I was, it was dark. I was aware that there was a layer between me and the scene below, like a two-way mirror, and another opaque layer about ten feet or so above me. Everything between these two layers seems infinite, or seemed infinite. I felt drawn to the right, though I was not aware of any lights, spirits, or anything else. All the other directions in this plane seemed darker than dark. Nothing there. This direction off to my right in relation to the scene below would be the direction my body's head happened to be. First, there was amazement that I was there and looking down through the only physical element I thought I had, my eyeballs, I thought of them briefly as a floating pair of eyeballs there was this great, great feeling of unconditional love. I totally understand what religious people say about God's unconditional love. This feeling that death is going home. It is like being embraced and loved, absolutely. We never belonged anywhere when I was a kid because of all the moving we did as a military family. And my parents weren't affectionate or attentive. None of that mattered up there, though, except that I felt thoroughly loved in that place. More specifically, I felt I was part of that love, that energy. I also felt very wise. As I looked down, I thought, don't worry, it doesn't matter, it's okay. I remember feeling amused when the kids started to panic, but in a compassionate way, sort of Tisk, tisk. Poor kids, they just don't know. I didn't think of my family at all and how it would hurt them if I died. I didn't think of death at all, really, though I knew the kids were freaking out because they thought I had died. Then suddenly, I was whisked away and felt simultaneously that I was caught in a stream of energy flowing around a planet below t- and to my left, and also with a giant tree on a hill and all its parts from roots to leaves. At this point, I knew I was pure energy, infinite, because I could see the planet and was part of this powerful stream of energy. At the same time, I could feel myself part of a peaceful, gentle energy of the tree. This stream of energy was fast and powerful, and looked like lights in a wide, bright band out in space, but curving around the planet, which was reddish. I could see other planets and stars, and the space between was black. As part of the tree, I could feel every leaf rustling in the breeze. Then, suddenly, I was back in my body, Now I could see through my eyelids. I remember marveling that I could see through my eyelids at the kids bending over me, but I could not open them or otherwise move. A few seconds later, I was able to open my eyes and sit up. The whole thing must have lasted only a minute or two, and some kids who were just leaving to find an adult came back when I woke up. I tried to explain what had happened, but... Everyone thought I had faked the whole thing and got mad at me. We never spoke of it after that. I didn't tell my parents, and soon we moved again. A couple of the kids were cousins of mine, but I didn't see them again until I was in my 40s. That is the end of Terry's experience. And there are some interesting things in Terry's experience, of course, There is the hovering over the body and being filled with absolute unconditional love, which is all very cool and comforting. But there's a couple of things that I haven't heard before that I find in here that are kind of interesting. Terry says, where I was, it was dark. I was aware that there was a layer between me and the scene below. Okay, so... I'm trying to picture this here. Um, So here's Terry floating 10, 12 feet above the ground. But between her and that scene is some kind of barrier that she says, like a two-way mirror. And uh, she even goes on to say, and another opaque layer, about 10 feet or so, above me. And by opaque, she says, everything between these two layers seemed infinite. Now, is she talking like, I mean, I'm trying to picture this, you know, that infinite feeling of looking into a mirror that is facing another mirror, and you see this infinite, you know, uh, reflection of mirrors and so forth. Is it something along those lines, but maybe, you know, that these layers that she's in, you know, extend in every direction, at least every lateral direction? Or are we talking about them feeling like three different complete locations that um, if she were to pass from one into the other, one would bring her into this world and its universe, and the other would bring her into another world and its universe? Or are we just talking about there was a sense of infinite about her nature. I don't know. It's not clear. She does say I felt drawn to the right, though I was not aware of any light spirits or anything else. She even says all the other directions in this plane seem darker than dark. Nothing there. That sounds to me like the void. So I'm picturing that she is in the void, or at least partially in the void, but looking down into the mortal plane where her body lies and it has this kind of two-way mirror-like effect and she is uh, and she senses this opaque layer about 10 or so feet above her so is this opaque layer blackness is it light she doesn't say but uh, I just gather that there is something there that she can't see through and uh she's kind of surprised by this um though at the same time while recognizing that that is her and and feeling that this is absolutely her her own conscious self um she is also somehow kind of blissfully unaware of her at least enough of her mortal life to consider how much her death would hurt her family. And this seems to be fairly common among uh, people who have died. And I'm not sure why. This is really odd to me because, um, and not in a skeptical sort of odd way. It's not like I'm suggesting that, that, well, I don't know if I can believe this because, no, no, I just find this very strange that people get to the other side and I can understand those who have this sense that everything's going to be okay, that you know, they can kind of glimpse at least a um, feeling that the people they're leaving behind are going to be all right, that, they will, that it's, it's going to work out for them. But um, she has this sense and doesn't even seem to consider her family. Now is that, you know, it kind of makes me wonder about our mortal bodies and what they're really doing. Because anxiety and fear seem to be something that are, seem to be things that are unique to this mortal body. As people leaving, even if there is some kind of fearful, you know, uh, unpleasant aspect to their near-death experience it doesn't seem to be the um the panicky kind of fear and um desperate sense of helplessness that that we have here or maybe it is and but it, they don't seem to describe it that way they describe it as something fearful not wanting to be there just a, a sense of unpleasantness or or a sense of, oh, I don't like this. Get me out of here. Um, though I should say there are exceptions. There are people who, who are finding themselves terrified. But it is so rare that I can't help wonder if those feelings are unique to this life. And perhaps, this is what brings me to this um, thought process, is that perhaps our some level of our empathy... And, and that um darker level of our empathy that that causes us to be anxious for the uh feelings and and fearing the reaction of other people about stuff may be based in that i don't I don't know I don't know, but uh clearly it it attests to the idea that once you die, you don't have to you know if if you have a per, a loved one who has died, you don't have to worry about them. Desperately worrying about their family, like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I left them. How could I ah, oh, they're not what are they gonna do and all this stuff because they have this broad, infinite um mindset that seems to keep them feeling content and feeling like, "Oh, it's fine, Don't even worry about it when really everybody here is like, Oh my gosh, you know <laughs> anyway." So that's that's just kind of interesting. Um, She does describe that feeling of love. So it's not like she doesn't have feelings, doesn't have emotions. In fact, they're incredibly intense, but they are feelings of love and and so forth. And also, and I have heard this a couple of times, when she describes the uh, concerns of of the other kids, she says she felt very wise. She says, as I... Looked down. I thought, "Don't worry. It doesn't matter. It's okay." And she has this. Um, she doesn't seem to be concerned about their panic, and um, is actually a little bit amused by it in a kind of a compassionate way, and even kind of describes it as this sort of tisk tisk. You know, poor kids. They just don't know. Almost like um, you know, watching two-year-olds play. And one is devastated because, you know, uh, there's, you know, somebody has a bigger handful of dirt than they do. And <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, child, it's OK. It really doesn't matter. Kind of kind of thought. And I've heard this um, from people when they are on the other side, they feel or they just have this sense of wisdom about them, that looking at our situation in this life, or at least the situation of their body, and, you know, it, they're almost looking at it as, oh, how cute of me to have have thought this, or how cute of me to to have been so concerned about this or that. It's It's almost like we're seeing ourselves as, you know, little children. And on the other side, our eyes open up a little bit more and we seem to be wiser. So I don't know, that's kind of interesting. Okay, and then this final part that I find particularly interesting, and I can't say that I understand it, but that's one of the reasons I want to talk about it. (laughs) Terry suddenly finds herself at this point Um, whisked away, as she says, and felt simultaneously that she was caught in a stream of energy flowing around a planet below and to my left, she says, and also within a giant tree on a hill and all its parts from roots to leaves. At this point, I knew I was pure energy, infinite. Okay, so first off, is this an example of double attention or by attention multiple poly-attention, whatever you call it, where she is thinking of two things at the same time, experiencing two things at the same time, or is she experiencing being two different things at the same time, either herself and this tree, or... Is she experiencing uh, a sort of metaphorical experience that is real but symbolic of something, which seems to be common in near-death experiences? Um, some kind of experience that, that while not purely fantasy, um, you know, there is what's happening is happening, but it's being given them as a way to teach or a way to experience something unique. And I don't know if that's what's going on here or not. In fact, I'm having a hard time picturing this simply because of this by attention thing. Um, it, it appears that she is in two different situations at the same moment. Um, she describes being a stream of energy flowing around a planet below and to her left. And when I first read this, I thought, oh, I She's probably looking down at Earth. But then later she describes it as being reddish. And she never even hints that this planet is Earth. But she does very clearly have this sense of energy flowing around the planet. And also to her, I I, I think. Let's see. Um, let me skip around a bit here. I was whisked away, felt simultaneously that I was caught in a stream. Yeah, so she's in this energy stream that is flowing around a planet below and to my left. So is she, like, orbiting the planet? I don't know, you know, caught in some kind of energy rings, kind of... I'm just trying to visualize here. And then... um, if we so, if we separate these two, the planet and the tree. Let's start with the the planet. She's going around the, or uh, you know, floating above the planet, and she says, because I could see the planet, it was part of this powerful stream of energy, um. And the energy was fast and powerful. It was like lights in a wide, bright band out in space, but curving around the planet, which was reddish. I could also see other planets and stars, and the space between was black. Okay, so that's her description of the planet aspect. Meanwhile, simultaneously, she is also experiencing being within, as she says it, within a giant tree on a hill, and all its parts from its roots to its leaves. Okay, Um, it says, I could feel myself part of the peaceful, gentle energy of the tree. And she says I could feel every leaf rustling in the breeze. Now whether Terry is experiencing both situations as herself, or whether she is experiencing maybe, you know, the energy around a planet is herself and And then she is also experiencing the uh, experience of being a tree. Or maybe she is simply visiting, spiritually visiting a tree and visiting a planet. I I don't know. But it's interesting, this connection that she has with them. And she seems to feel part of the planets and stars around her. And the space between that was black and... As the tree, she could not just sense all its parts from its leaves to its roots, but also she could feel every leaf rustling in the breeze. Interesting, very all-encompassing experience, and one that would be very difficult to describe. I'm not even sure we're getting anywhere close to what she's experienced, but gratefully, she has made the attempt. But the next moment, she's back in her body and tries to tell the others about it, but they think that she's just, you know, um, trying to make up a story or something. You know, she's, they're not convinced by it. So she, um, so she doesn't speak of it in, anymore. In fact, she doesn't see any of the other kids again until she's in her 40s. And those are the ones that are Cousins of hers. I wonder if she ever talked to them about it again. Um, I'm sure it freaked out the cousins pretty dang good. I mean, she's laying there seeming to be dead. Maybe she was for a short time. Who knows? But uh, very interesting. Um, The point that I get out of this experience is that we are deeply multifaceted spiritual beings that go beyond just... Well, first off, there is a me. She even describes um, being kind of amazed that she must be just a floating pair of eyeballs because that's all she was looking from. It was straight eyeballs, apparently. And she knew that body on the ground was not her. Even though it was her body, she knew that wasn't her. She was up there. And she was very clear about that but then at the same time she is also um you know this two-way mirror thing going on the weird you know uh, layers and so forth and then uh she finds herself being one with the with the space the planets and stars around her as well as one with the tree that she seems to be inside of, or part of, or inhabiting in some way, that tells me that the spirit world is much more dynamic than the physical world. We think of the spirit world being a spiritualish version of mortality, and I think that's fair in some ways, but in other ways it's quite uh, short of what Seems to be possible, I guess you could say. And it makes me wonder how much of that other side of ourselves, other sides of ourselves, even, are somehow available to us here. We hear of people becoming healers or having gifts to hear, or sense thoughts or feelings, things like that. And, um, premonitions of things to come, but even those seem to be more of like kind of a splash of, you know, our our deeper, truer selves, and so, you know, they're just a a hint, you know, kind of a, a, a vapor coming off of what we really are, and what is that? We're clearly spiritual beings, But sometimes we kind of limit ourselves in thinking of ourselves as just spiritual beings even inhabiting a body. We are dynamic, eternal beings that I think in some way go beyond the physical and the spiritual. Some kind of eternal self that maybe extends out to all the other eternal selves in the universe in some way, connected, um, constantly in connection with one another. And how do we tap into that as mortals? I don't know. I don't know. But we get hints of it in these kind of experiences. And clearly, love has something very important to do with it. Anyway, if you would like to reach out to me or John, you can email us uh, Chaz at ndepodcast.org or john at ndepodcast.org you can support the show by purchasing my book Life in the Spirit World particularly the audiobook, but any of them uh, any versions that you get will help also my album Home which it, with the book is available at our website near death experience Podcast.org. You can also become an ongoing monthly contributor by going to patreon.com slash Podcast. And once again, thank you guys so much for listening.